Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. We're here to entertain you we'll sing your songs for good times the best times you can't go wrong we'll two step a new step it won't be long when the dixieland is up playing soon you'll be swaying so come on sing along Welcome back to another episode of Before My Time, where I, your host, Gelsey Laurie, talks about things that I am obsessed with that happened before my time. This episode, we have a special guest on, Ashley Victoria Robinson, who is host of the podcast Geek History Lessons, and she's here to talk about her favorite sitcom, none other than MASH. I'm so excited for this one. Let's get straight to it. I have to say, this is a total um, confession. I, before today, have not watched MASH. <gasps> I'm And it shocked. breaks my heart. I'm appalled. You know, <laughs> the gall, the gumption. <laughs> it's it's awful. And I, I actually did like a like crash course today and I was mad. I was like, why has no one shown me MASH? Like, this is everything I love in life. It's my style of comedy, humor, kind of dramedy. Love that shit. So now I'm hooked and I've got like my work cut out for me on a binge sesh. Yeah, you've only got 11 seasons and uh, I think five Christmas episodes over three years of story continuity. Two and a half hour grand finale. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. casual. 
goodbye world. I'll be gone for a year. The baby is a chicken. You'll understand what that means someday. <laughs> so MASH, for those of you who do not know, even I knew not seeing it, but live under a rock, some people, um, was a movie in 1970. And then a TV show was created after that from 1972 to 1983. Like Ashley said, 11 season. That's a wild run. Like a lot of shows don't get that kind of length and speed. And this is one of the highest rated TV shows in all of history. Yeah. When the finale happened, everyone in New York City flushed their toilets at the same time. And apparently that was not awesome. Really? Yeah. Because they didn't want to go during the episode. So like five oh minutes after this, the sewer system was, that's, that might be slightly apocryphal, but that's like the very famous story about the MASH finale. Oh my gosh, I hope that's true because that makes me so happy. I, that's amazing. I did hear though that it is was the most watched TV broadcast of all times when it broadcasted in 1983 mm -hmm. until 2010 when the Saints beat the Colts at the Super Bowl, which, what up? I'm a Saints fan, so hey -o. That's insane. I've uh, never watched a game of football in my life, so I'm just on the MASH side of this conversation. <laughs> I'm like the worst football fan ever. I'm like, what's going on in the game? But I'm just a New Orleans person, so. I love that. Okay, so, gosh, I want to dive into so many things on this. But first, I will ask you to give a one-sentence summary of what MASH is all about. MASH is about a mobile army surgical hospital during the Korean War that was airing and came out of the zeitgeist of the Vietnam War and the crux of pacifist movements. It is a dramedy. It leans a little more comedy in the beginning. I know that that sounds weird, but I promise you it is actually funny. To this day, it's like set up, set up, there's a joke every three to five lines, and it follows a character named Hawkeye, uh, who is a major on his journey to survive and uh, to find the humor in the darkness. And there's a revolving cast after season three when they didn't renew a bunch of people's contracts. I'll know what that means soon, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the worst is when you get really attached to people on shows and then... They walk off. But. Yeah, the OG is my favorite of the cast. My favorite character is a, a character named Trapper John. He leaves after season three. And there's not a ton of continuity to be had in MASH. Um, there's a very famous Japanese-American actor named Mako, who I think shows up five times playing five different characters, uh, <laughs> Korean characters, and he's Japanese. But so Trapper doesn't get back to season three. And they kind of dismiss him off camera where Hawkeye comes back and he's like, I just dropped him off. Bye! <laughs> Forever! <laughs> I'm a fan of that kind of writing into shows where they're like, crap, we're in, uh, just make it work and kind of write your way out of it. I know a lot of people, those kind of things make them angry, but I personally find a lot of amusement from that. Oh, well, this is the show for you then, my friend. <laughs> you know what? It, I did watch a compilation of Hawkeye, like Best Of, and mm -hmm. I was in Stitches. Like That's when I was like, this is my show because he's a very Marx Brothers style humor of and like you said punchline setup punch you know setup punchline setup punchline and it's um it's great and that's it's a really difficult i'm a lot of people have noted this on the internet and i'm not sure if you're a scrubs fan but i did see a lot of similarities it's almost like scrubs kind of found its vibe off of this in my opinion because it is a very dramatic setting i mean they are both hospitals but you know this is also dealing with a war in the army and they find a way to just make it light and humorous while still being able to make you cry and think and and having that dramatic aspect, which I think is something really special for a show to do. Yeah, for sure. And I think you really nailed the tone where you said that there is an opportunity to make you think like there is a 
admittedly clumsy episode from the first three seasons where Ron Howard, actually a very young, very adorable, Happy Days era Ron Howard, is a gay character. And he's having some issues around that. And he comes into the hospital and Hawkeye and Trapper, the big macho dudes who, you know, part of the humor, it's a little crass, is that they do go through the nurses who are recurring characters, that they are supportive of this young man and they try to defend him in as much as one can in the 70s. And so sometimes it's really on the nose like that. And then sometimes it's a little more subtle. Uh, There's an episode where Trapper gets an ulcer and they think he's going to be sent home. And so him and Hawkeye have to have their goodbye. And it is really heartbreaking because you realize that they're battle buddies and they'll probably never see each other again. And this hugely important part of their life is going to unceremoniously come to the close. And in the meantime, they're also knocking over the showers to see who might be naked in there some days. Which again, I think is like the great, beautiful marriage of dramedies is finding such serious moments and then being able to just be like, hey, we don't want to depress you too much or vice versa when you're laughing. And then it's like, but life is still serious. And that's a great example of it where in kind of on that realm and that note, I did want to bring up since you have seen all of it, kind of what the tone of, you know, the men and women are in this show. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of, you know, kind of stabs and jabs at the sexuality, but it seems to be done in a way that's almost satirical where, you know, it's, it's kind of their not really thinking that way as writers, but it comes across or, you know, what are your thoughts on on that? Yeah. And it is the type of media where you have to meet it for where it was. It was made in mm-hmm. a certain time. Everyone who's not white is playing a Korean person, um, mm-hmm. including some like native Hawaiians, uh, you know, like there, there is that type of casting. I'm not going to pretend that there's not Hot Lips Houlihan. Her nickname is Hot Lips. And I mean, mm-hmm. Loretta Swit, like she, she's a beautiful lady to this day. But, you know, we maybe wouldn't do that as much now. And she is the only female lead. But if you could meet it where it is at the time, it is really progressive. There are characters who are a little more conservative. Um, Hawkeye and Trapper also share a tent with this guy named Frank Burns. Uh, and there's a joke, Frank Burns eats worms. He's like a Bible thumping, pain in the butt. Uh, and he then gets replaced by a character named Charles, played by, if you're a Disney fan, David Ogden Steers. R.I.P. Rest in power. What a what an icon. Uh, and he's really like um snooty, like upstate New York kind of socialite guy. Mm-hmm. So they do a good job at contrasting the types of classes of people who you see, which is what happens a lot in the military, particularly like this is set during a war that had a draft. So kind of nobody really wants to be there Mm -hmm. something that i do give the show great credit for um in particular with its female set is they have a featured extra who's basically one of those people that you see in the background a lot never says anything it doesn't have a name who is played by a hawaiian actress and you see her a bunch in the first three seasons and then they give her a name she's nurse kelly and then she gets a couple lines here and there and nurse kelly was i believe the actress still alive very cute adorable she's funny when they give her lines and then she has a moment with hawkeye in the final season where she is curvy Mm -hmm. she's a little chubby doesn't mean she's not beautiful but uh hawkeye's kind of like saying goodbye to her they're like having this moment and she's like you never ever looked at me like that you never even considered me the way you look at a lot of the other nurses because of the way my body, like she really calls them out for it. And for a show in the 80s and to give it to 
a female character and a character of color is is really remarkable. Yeah, that's really before its time because I mean I feel yeah. like we're barely just now there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're definitely like not all shows, right? Like not everyone's there yet. Right. Um, and when it happened, like I I really liked her once she became a real character because she's adorable and she's funny. I and mean, we were always like, yeah, Nurse Kelly, justice for her. Hopefully something happens to her. And it did. And she gets this like really incredible send off and becomes a real person. And then I'm going to throw forward to a modern comedy. If anyone out there loves Superstore, the character Sandra has kind of a similar arc and kind of looks like the woman who played Nurse Kelly. So it was really interesting when I started watching Superstore. She's kind of this featured extra and then they give her a couple of lines. And then uh, in the last couple of seasons, she's a full regular cast member who's getting married. Oh, that's so. awesome. I do love seeing that those arcs yeah, in, yeah, in shows yeah. you're like <laughs> they stuck in there and and also in the entertainment business which i am myself that is not a correct sentence kelsey but keep it in we're cutting nothing I, out no man. no no editing <laughs> i want to show my true raw terrible punctuation and grammar self <laughs> no it, it's difficult to be booked on shows and i have a lot of friends that are actors and constantly getting series regulars extras whatever and it's it's a big deal to just be a reoccurring extra and then to mm -hmm. see them stick in and get that it's like yeah you know there's always that kind of underdog rooting that I feel for them one as well so it's great exactly <laughs> it's awesome on the humor side it is interesting the creator Larry Gelbert who um, mm -hmm. did the movie and then created the show obviously co-wrote funny thing happened to me on the way to the forum the smash hit Broadway show Oh, it's like the musical? I did not know this. Yeah, he wrote, co-wrote it. Um, I forget who the other, it was Sondheim, him, and yeah. And so it kind of, maybe humor-wise and those little snarky, it's like, oh, that, that makes sense. The more you know. It is also based on a trilogy of books, which Hot Take are not as good as the show. Obviously, you've seen the movie. Yes, I have. Yeah. I would assume so. I was such a big fan. And which do you think, I mean, it's hard to take a whole 11 season show compared to a movie, but uh, what's your compare and contrast thesis statement on it? I think that's a fair question. Um, and it does come up with a lot of properties like that. Um, I give the same sort of answer to it that I give when um, I talk about Stargate SG one only is um, <laughs> I, I apologize again. No Stargate in my brain. Oh. Oh, it's, it's really great. If you can get past the nineties blue screen, <laughs> I, I can definitely get past that. Don't worry. The movie is great. I obviously did enough heavy lifting to get the show greenlit. Mm -hmm. We love, we appreciate my good countryman Donald Sutherland is in the movie. We love that. Um, however, there's just such a swath of difference in the depth of storytelling and performance that you can get when you have that much time invested. So for me, the movie's great, but it's kind of like the unaired pilot, you mm -hmm. know, to this series. And uh, yeah, I know yeah. the Robert Altman fans are like screaming and into their phones right now. But for me, the the show is way better. And I think it Altman stuff is 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 quirky weird. And the show I think is more um and perhaps because they were trying to strike a broader audience, network TV, nineteen mm seventies, -hmm. it's a little less esoteric. Um okay. and then toward the end, when it gets a little more maudlin and they're really trying to like, you know, we really get into the Hawkeye's war is hell uh kind of moments, it it I think it delivers a stronger message if you stick around all the way to the end as well. But mm -hmm. I would say if you like one or the other and you're not, if you like the show and you're not engaging with the movie or vice versa, I think you're doing yourself a disservice in where the characters go and what gets done with them, particularly with Hawkeye and with Hot Lips. They are the only, some of the only two characters, the two main characters 
who stick around the whole time, they get a lot of really interesting mileage out of them and their relationship to each other. I love a character relationship where they could have been but never were Mm -hmm. or when they're two characters who are maybe not necessarily like destined to be romantically involved but they understand each other better than anyone else in the world like i think of um justified like that like boyd and rayland are like that and that's what those characters wind up being and in the beginning and in the movie she's just the babe and he's just like the young hot doctor who's picking on her and to Mm -hmm. see them go on that arc together and then when they because the end is a very famous shot right where they spell goodbye out with the rocks as the helicopters move away. To know that like they will never see each other again, I think that's like devastating. That is devastating. I mean, let's go to like when we're kids and you go to summer camp for a couple weeks and you make these bonds because well, you- she went to summer camp to be rich. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, maybe a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's like, let me tell you about Gucci. <laughs> and all, my diaper bag was um no. Um, <laughs> hey, you know, some people live that life. Not me. I'm going to just put that I up there. I love that for them. <laughs> I do love that for them. That's good for them. No, but you know, I could imagine relating your whatever age you did or did not mm-hmm. pretend you went summer camp self, <laughs> and you make these strong bonds over bunk beds and campfires, but it's something now uh, magnify that to war summer mm-hmm. camp, which is like, I can't, you know, going through something that traumatic with another human being is a bond that nothing else would come close to. No one else could understand it or experience it unless they've experienced it. And then, like you said, to go to a and never see each other again. And, you know, mm-hmm. you hear people now like, oh, my old war buddies, you know, probably that generation is starting to disappear, unfortunately, just with time passing. Because now, you know, we have social media and whatnot, but of the... You know, it is. It's just you kind of hear these stories from our grandparents of of their war buddies. And it's like, gosh, these crazy bonds where they're closer than a husband and wife. They're closer than a brother. They're closer, you know, and and to never see them again. It's a devastating emotional breakup. And it's great to be captured so well after, you know, everyone goes on an 11 season journey with all these characters. And then then also, you know, they're breaking up with the nations, if you will. I'm sure uh, sure they went to war on their own against the networks and stuff like that. I also, one of the reasons that I hold MASH in such esteem is I am uh, an army brat. So I come from a military family and then I, I married a veteran and both my father and my husband like the show. So I'm not saying that it is an, anywhere near um, an accurate representation of what that is like. It's would, definitely not. would not think so. <laughs> but also having engaged with a lot of media with both of them when something doesn't address that subject matter in an interesting or compelling or truthful way, it's usually the number one comment. And both of them, uh, I watched MASH the first time growing up with my dad and then I, I've rewatched the full series with my husband. So I, I take that in terms of just like critiquing the value of it as a piece of art. I think that that's the highest compliment that could be paid to the show. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's um, huge. I mean, that's probably the scariest thing as a creator to, you know, you're giving it to an audience that's already a very vulnerable state to be in, but then to specifically in on one subject time period specifically one war and a whole mm-hmm. branch you know okay the whole army is going to see this you know and and that and it's like that's your where you're kind of clinching and holding your breath going god what are they going to think of it and it's it's almost like a peers kind of outlook and critique and so that's an awesome thing and um fuck now i completely threw myself off of this 
He's in it. No pressure. It brings me back to, um, and that's great. You, so obviously, your father introduced it to you, and that was one of my questions. But she'd be that show been in reruns, I think, since it was like I think it was syndicated when it was on the air. So it's still in yeah. reruns. I, no, it, when I go to the hotel and I'm and I'm confronted with with cable, and I don't know what to do as a dirty cord cutter. It's either Guy Fieri on the Food Network or it's Mash on Me TV. Like there's nothing else, in my opinion, on cable. <laughs> This is quite accurate, unless you like a good HGTV interior design, which I can't be mad at. But let's go back. You said something about they went into a fight with the network. There is one thing that I know the creators did fight the network on, and it was the laugh tracks. The laugh tracks are wild. Um, (laughs) They're also the same laugh. It's the same laugh track that is still used today. All the American laugh tracks were recorded in the 50s. Those are all dead laughs that you're hearing. (laughs) Fun. There's a very particular man who laughs like about halfway through the track and he sounds like the way Winnie the Pooh laughs. (laughs) And that's how I know that it's the same laugh track that's still on things like I actually don't know if Friends has a laugh track. I've never watched Friends, but it's still on comedy. Thank you. Um, I've never watched day. Friends I, or I've tried and it's I'm not a Friends person. I, I agree. Which yeah, I've rare seen to like meet a, someone that does not. An episode. Yeah. High five. Yeah. Oh my God. Amazing. Okay. I, I don't know specifically what the network fights were, but I know that there was conflict. Alan Alda, who is the lead, he plays Hawkeye was in the writer's room. He was very heavily involved and there from day one, like from jump. And there was a lot of conflict between him and Wayne Rogers, who played Trapper, my favorite character, because they were initially supposed to be co-leads, but Alan Alda is a creator with a, a very strong point of view and a lot of opinions. And, and I don't mean that in any derogatory kind of way, because I am also that person and I have immense respect for him. I subscribe to his podcast. So they were supposed to be co-leads, but then because he sort of, you could say, took up more work. You could say forced himself into the room, kind of whatever tact you want to take mm-hmm. reflecting on it in history. Hawkeye very much emerges in season one as the lead uh, and the person who's carrying the show. And that's why Wayne Rogers wound up leaving after season three is because he didn't like playing second potato. And then they spun mm-hmm. a show off called Trapper John MD and he doesn't play Trapper John. Really? <laughs> yeah, some other guy uh, who I don't womp, know, womp. plays him. Uh, yeah, so he was my favorite. I thought he was really cute. So I was bummed when he left. <laughs> uh, I know. We all want to be the number one guy though. That is that is really interesting. Yeah, um, I did see too that if you have the DVD series, there is an option to turn the laugh track off. Yes, and that, that is, is true. Extremely interesting. And they did, the only thing that they got um, against the network is that there was no laugh tracks in the OR room. They said they can't assume or imagine that there would be a world where people are laughing when there are guts spewed out on an operating table. And I thought that was actually a really um, good compromise and a very respectful compromise. Yeah, it feels shockingly sensitive mm-hmm. for uh, a network. <laughs> Especially when already, like you said, it is, you know, very part of the time, but you know, when other mm-hmm. things are being jabbed at or said or commented and you're like, well, what? But you're like, okay, you know, seventies, <laughs> this is, but it is, it's, it's an awesome, I think, compromise. And I really liked that when I read it. I was like, think that's awesome. Let's just quickly, cause I like facts. Uh, let our listeners know that it was set. Um, obviously, it's set in South Korea, but it was filmed in Calabasas. Cal- Malibu State Creek Park, baby. Hey, I love it so up? much. It's my favorite hike in LA. Is it really? I'm going to try yes. that. Yes. It's so good. It is um, also if you if you hike in from the main entrance way or if you uh, don't want to pay to park like me and you park on the little roads up the side, you walk in by what was once a creek bed before global warming and that little creek bed 
where you turn uh, past the porta potties is where in the Planet of the Apes movie, it's where the apes chase Charlton Heston down and they throw the net over top of him. Like there is a uh, DS9 was all over. Like there's like a billion things that have shot in Malibu State Creek Park, but most famous are Planet of the Apes. And then the hike culminates at the mash site and there's a nice little um the sign is there with all of the arrows they have it mapped out where all the tents were and then you can like in the opening sequence you can run up and be radar and take your picture between the two uh mountains and i have a bunch of them oh, yeah, you're like and i do it every sunday <laughs> uh, i think i've been four times this year oh nice <laughs> hey you want to you want to hike mash site you call me anytime oh my we'll gosh go. oh done i'm like dying i love like, for hikes. real for real yeah no for real <laughs> yeah. great, great. We're friends we don't like friends and we're friends this is exactly work. it's perfect <laughs> so i did see too that um there was written in the final episode the lovely two and a half hour episode goodbye farewell and amen um mm-hmm. they wrote in a fire but that was because there actually was in true california style yeah. a fire because <laughs> we love to burn there's california on fire.com <laughs> speaking of taking stances and getting political, which this show did a very good job, I know, of not trying to be a protest show. But it it's such an interesting, and you had mentioned before, but obviously it takes place during the Korean War. Mm-hmm. The first few seasons are aired during the tail end of the Vietnam War. And the show is kind of a commentary of opening a conversation on America's role in the Cold War. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lot of... Uh, stances and and tension and political craziness i mean it being aired during the vietnam war alone is like how did they get away with it almost because there's such a protest then and here they are kind of i think because it was done so well and that just shows what a great show it is and and writing and direction that they can take something so heavy that's being so heavily protested and have a hit show off of it because i've been trying to like construct a joke in my brain where i'm like well that's what happens when you let the liberals be in charge but someone will think i mean that seriously so i'm not gonna commit to it <laughs> that's why to i told you soapbox over there and i'm like yeah i'll go this way i don't even nope <laughs> not my role in life my role in life is to make people laugh when the world is a shit show oh then you, you would have done well in mash <laughs> you know i think so i was like eh, i think this is my kind of shit this is my- i also think they probably got a bit of leeway because they were coming off a really successful movie so the property was mm-hmm. already popular before the show even aired and then it was incredibly popular from its first season and you know that when 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 those network numbers are up or, or those streaming numbers that Netflix will never show us are up you can get away with a little bit more if they're not uh, putting you on the bubble all the time mm-hmm. yeah that's a very very good point and that kind of shows again like why you you said there's such importance in the movie and it's almost mm-hmm. like this like major pilot open the gates of a green light. So it's, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. Gosh. So you've already kind of, I think through just describing different facts and this, that I can see why you love it. Is there any other thing we haven't touched on on why you love mash so much? I love it because I have what has been referred to as an uncanny valley of comedy. Uh, Things that normal human people think are funny, I don't. Um, Friends usually being my classic example of it. And so MASH actually makes me tee-hee-hee. It makes me laugh (laughs) so hard. I admire it as a performer and as a writer. Like There's always something to be taken away from it. And what I especially admire about it for the time is... It does show um, male affection in, but not in a way that's like, but no homo though. Like mm-hmm. the boys, <laughs> I say boys, they're like 
35 year old men <laughs> genuinely love each other and, and care for each other. And it's why my favorite episode is like the one where Trapper gets an ulcer. They're going to send him home and Hawkeye cries when he's saying goodbye to him. And, and then I, I love dynamics. Like I love Sherlock Holmes and John Watson. I love Frodo and Sam. I love that bond of fraternity. And I think that that's JD something that and Kirk on Scrubs. <laughs> There's I haven't watched Scrubs. So I'm, I'm going to say similarities there. Yes. But <laughs> so they have like, they sing a song on a musical episode called Guy Love. Like they, Perfect. They love each yes. other more than one of their wives. Like she's complaining that yeah. Anyways. And it and it encompasses that. And it also encompasses all of the noble things that I ascribe to mm-hmm. uh, soldiers and officers and, and people that I've known in, in my real life. And I think that when you can meet a piece of art that stands the test of time, like you could have made that show. Well, I don't know if you could have, but if that show had been made now, other than the fact that there's matte paintings in the background. I would have believed that it was a modern contemporary show. And that's what I think is so impressive about it. And that every time I revisit it, I never feel like I've outgrown it. There's a lot of things I've loved in my life that, you know, whether it's 15 or or 20 or 30 or whatever, and you're like, oh, I, th- that was great then. I don't need this that anymore. And every time I re-engage with it, I watched a couple episodes prepping for this I'm blown away every time. So I can't, just, I can't say enough nice things about it. I can't wait. I, I did actually, right before we hopped on, um, watch the pilot episode. It's a, it's a pretty strong pilot. It's Well, and that's what I, I was with my dad and I was watching the best of and he watched MASH. He's like, oh God, I haven't seen MASH so long. And he was talking about it and he's like, um, do you want to watch an episode? And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to. And, and I was like, why don't we just watch the pilot? Because I think even though pilots aren't always the strongest episodes of seasons and sometimes it's, eh, there's a lot to be said and it's just such a setup always that you can get the vibe of any a show. And I mm-hmm. judge a lot of shows like show you anyways, I could go on about that, but um, it was Lo- on- lost has a great pilot, for example. <laughs> Exa- and it's like, of course, and everyone would vouch like a well, lost is great. And it's, it was a very solid pilot. I laughed a lot. I really got to feel like I'm like, okay, I know who these characters are going to be, at least for the first three seasons until there's a shift. But yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I cannot wait to dive into it more. Please tell me what your thoughts are when you see it. I want to know. I have to know now. Oh, I will. I'll like, be like, here's my thesis paper that I wrote up. I was up till 2 a.m. But a lovely thing about the show is there's even the characters you like a little less. There's value in all of them. And they all really add to the show. Nobody's there. Uh, detracting from the show Mm -hmm. yeah just like everyone's super great and also (laughs) truly like even though it's the 70s and your fashion state everyone's got winged hair like such a beautiful guy which i'm very attractive (laughs) guest you know it is i did notice that even you know kind of watching some clips and watching the pilot i was like wow this is because even for time you know there's different attractions of different decades may i say come in and different fads and some are not as attractive but the 70s can go either way where I watch some old movies and I'm like, you know, I know that's the leading man, but ugh. and I would say the opposite for this show. You are correct. It is a very attractive cast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm always for looking. It's at just an people. added bonus, right? It's not <laughs> a necessity. It's, exactly. But it's a plus. That, but yeah. <laughs> Don't mind looking at pretty people for hours on end. Kind of circling back to the more dramatic side of things. I do love the theme song is titled Suicide is Painless. It was written by a 14-year-old boy, which makes me want to dive off a cliff. Oh my gosh, no! So uh, Robert Altman, the director of the first movie, it it appears in the movie, there are lyrics to it, which are uh, not sung in the TV show title sequence. So they needed the song that's featured in a scene. Uh, They didn't like the piece of music they had. And his son was a musician. And, you know, it's nepotism. He's a Hollywood kid. But if you're going to benefit from nepotism... 
at least be talented. And he wrote one of the most iconic songs of all time with or without the lyrics. It's a beautiful song. But yeah, when I learned that, I was like, cool. What was I doing at 14? Crying about Lord of the Rings, probably. (laughs) Dude, same. So we're going to wrap up this little mash episode. And by little, I mean gigantically huge, filled (laughs) with laughs and tears and all the emotions. Do you have a final thought and little period or exclamation on a show you're clearly very awesomely passionate about? Uh, I have two thoughts. If you've never watched mash because... I like to talk. I, I did another Matt Kelly production where I also talked about Bash. I talked oh. about the episode where <laughs> Trevor gets an ulcer. <laughs> um, King. I know. I might startle you to know. <laughs> Next time I'll do the one where Radar gives birth. We'll see. I, I think people write the show off as a dad show mm-hmm. or as like my grandpa watched that or my uncle watched that. So like as a young woman, I'm very passionate about being like, no. It's like really good and it's so important and I need other people to talk to about it. So like, please watch MASH. I will do that Because I'm so in on it. Like one episode, I was like, this is my kind of TV. And if you are in in any way interested in, in comedy or in um, like wartime storytelling, I would really encourage you to check it out because even though style and sensibility and joke structure has changed, We would all be so lucky to write anything as sharp as this show. Lastly, if you happen to ever have bought the remakes that they made of Henry's sweater and then they sold out of in 30 days in Illinois and I couldn't get it, I will buy it from you. Please email me. Go to my website, AshleyVictoriaRobinson.com. Email me. I will buy it from you. I want that sweater so bad and I've never been able to get one. We'll get you that sweater. (laughs) We will stomp around the earth and the World Wide Web. And you know, they made like a thousand of them and they were, they sold out so fast. It's sitting in someone's (laughs) closet and never been touched before. That person, I know, or someone again, someone bought it for their dad or their uncle or their grandpa. And I'm like, give it to me. I will wear it. (laughs) Ashley, you have been beyond lovely and amazing. And we're friends now. And I love that. It's a scientific fact. And I also want to say, listeners, you don't know how much patience and grace I was shown by both Gelsey and Matt to get on this episode. So like, thank you for having me. This was so much fun. But also thank you for being so lovely about my restrictions. Oh, absolutely. Where can we find you, Ashley? And do some shameless plugging. Let us know where to find you and what's next. Hell yeah. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ashley V. Robinson. The V is very important. Uh, You can send me cute pictures of um, all the boys and girls from MASH. And if you pick Nurse Kelly, I'll be extra impressed. Uh, You can go to my website, AshleyVictoriaRobinson.com. And then, you know, maybe hang around uh, Malibu State Creek Park and you'll find me out there. Oh, and uh, listen to my podcast, Geek History Lesson. Matt's been on it before. And uh, we just released an episode on the Eternals, and it truly broke my brain. So Geek History Lesson, we're all fine podcaster hat. Fine. Thanks so much. Through early morning fog I see Visions of the things to be The pains that are withheld for me I realize and I can see That suicide is painless It brings on many changes And
Gelsey, I know that throughout this episode, you, like me, had very little exposure to the actual show MASH, but Mm -hmm. were you a fan of the original film? I've never seen it. Oh. Yeah, no, I really didn't know anything about MASH until I, you know, kind of did a little homework for this episode, and I was like, what am I missing? Like, I, yeah, it's just one of those ones that never kind of slipped off my radar. Which is I, crazy because it seems like one I would have seen. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that it would be definitely up your alley if you hadn't. That mm-hmm. that MASH for me is similar to what I was talking about, I think, on the Some Like It Hot episode where I was in a class and we were watching like the AFI's funniest movies. And that appeared in the in the list of like the 100 funniest movies of all time. So I checked it out. But it's what's interesting about MASH, the film is I believe it's considered by many like the film that really kicked off what would become like the 70s comedy, Um, not just because it was a comedy from 1970, but like if you watch it and then you think about the movies that came out maybe three or four years later that were coming out of places like National Lampoon, like when you think of like Mm -hmm. Animal House and Caddyshack and, and a lot of the like slobs versus snobs films Mm -hmm. of the 70s and 80s you see little elements of that i think this was also one of the first films to contain the word fuck wow so that was kind of like this big deal like in film yeah so it was like this glass shattering and it's in such a like (laughs) do you watch south park at all oh yeah so do you remember the episode where they were making fun of when nypd blue said the word shit and it was like (laughs) It was like everyone was watching TV and they were so excited because it was going to be the first time shit was said on like public on television. And then like it all builds up to it. And the guy's like, oh, by the way, you got some shit there on your cheek. And like, <laughs> like it's almost like that same level, like for something that's so monumental. It's just like they're playing thrown a fo- away. Almost. Yeah, they're playing like a football game and someone slips. It's like, oh, fuck. As they fall, like it's so quick. It's not like, and fuck you for yeah. doing it yeah. like some big or like. Yeah, like you think, like, oh, they're going to be the first one to say fuck. And you're like imagining like the scene in planes, trains, and automobiles, but it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very quick. Like, bl- like you could miss it very easily type situation. But a couple of years later, you have National Lampoon mm-hmm. and Doug Kinney, the founder of National Lampoon, like he really puts comedy, pushes comedy into this whole other stratosphere. Mm-hmm. And for better or for worse, I, I think some of those movies obviously didn't age the greatest. <laughs> um, but I think that they're arguably some of the most important films in the genre of comedy that we grow up in right now. And in now. my household over Christmas time, because oh we watch God. Christmas Vacation probably 50 times every Christmas season. Anyways, you can find us on Instagram at before my time underscore podcast. You can go on Facebook and search before my time and you'll find a Facebook group of a bunch of people who love retro shit just as much as the rest of us talking about some of the things that they love from the past. So join the conversation over on Facebook. And on that note, over and out. Bye.
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.